Here's my script. You've written a script? There we go. You're listening to the Big Finish Podcast. Hello, I'm Nick Briggs. Don't hold that against me. I'm joined by somebody else. What's your name? Benedict Briggs. Speaking from behind a piece of paper. This podcast has been released on the 6th of June and was recorded on the 5th of June, just FYI, in case someone is assassinated in the interim and you're wondering why I haven't mentioned it right in with your suggestions of who could be assassinated. I'm joking! Don't do that. That would be terrible. No, seriously. Anyway, in case you didn't know, Big Finish are the purveyors of fine audiobooks and audio drama. What have you got to say about that, Ben? Big Finish, we love stories. Yeah, yeah. Our productions cover such ranges as Doctor Who, The Prisoner, Sherlock Holmes, Countermeasures. Yes, Doctor Who, for which we are perhaps most famous. Uh, Ben, by the way, is my six-year-old son, in case you were wondering what the heck is going on. We also do Torchwood, Blake 7, Dark Shadows, The Avengers, Survivors, The Omega Factor, Terror Hawks. You've already mentioned The Prisoner and Sherlock Holmes, The Confessions of Dorian Gray, sometimes known as The Confections of Dorian Gray. What? Countermeasures. Yeah, well, you said countermeasures. Uh, Night of the Triffids, Pathfinder Legends, The Sigmund Freud Files, The Adventures of Bernice Summerfield. She's a sort of futuristic archaeologist who gets into all sorts of scrapes with the Doctor as well. The Wizard of Oz, all sorts of things. That's <laughs> your car just went past. Well uh, thank you. All toy cars are now stationary. Thank you, that was the breaking noise. Coming up in this podcast. In a moment, the latest news from Big Finish. That'll be followed by some listeners' emails. Then we'll have our guest star interview with... You want another interview this week, do you? Yeah. Okay. Well, also being interviewed is Katie Manning. Yes, Joe Grant herself. Assistant stroke companion. What? Pardon? Another interview. Yeah. Well, that's fine. Uh, we'll do it in a minute. Uh, assistant stroke companion of the third Doctor, John Pertwee. I've been directing Katie in our second volume of the third Doctor Adventures. Ben's now dancing. I'm not sure why. Featuring the rather wonderful Tim Trelaw as a sort of lovingly crafted tribute act of the third Doctor. And Katie and I found time at the end of the first recording block to have a chat. And Katie provides great value. Following that, it'll be time for a randomly selected Big Finish archive production. The object of its selection will be to remind those who bought it long, long ago to have a trip down memory lane and listen again, or inspire those who've never heard it to maybe go and buy it, or just enjoy the trailer and any strange but true reminiscences I may or may not have about it. Then, just before I tell you what's in the next podcast, I'll give you a quick roundup of the latest releases. And to top things off, it'll be part 10 of our nine-part serialisation of The Hound of the Baskervilles. Yes, you did hear that right. Part 10. Things have gone crazy here. Will there be a part 11? Find out at the end of this podcast. How's it going so far, Ben? 
Thank you for that resounding recommendation. Th thanks. You're tapping everything with a pen. Is that what's happening? Yes, thank you. That's my headphones. Ow. Thank you. So now, here is the news. Cue Nick. Dark Shadows. Big Finish are pleased to announce a second collection of Dark Shadows short stories to be released this December. Dark Shadows Haunting Memories features four new stories read by members of the original cast, with Angelique herself, Lara Parker, writing for Big Finish for the first time. The stories will feature the usual subtle use of music and sound design, and further details will be announced shortly. Ben is trying to put a script... <laughs> <laughs> Due to unforeseen circumstances, one of these stories will be Matthew Waterhouse's Old Acquaintance, which was originally to be released as part of June's Echoes of the Past collection. Old Acquaintance has now been replaced by The Missing Reel. In The Missing Reel by Ian Farrington, oh, one-time colleague of mine at Big Finish, um, and it's performed by David Selby, immortal werewolf Quentin Collins meets a film collector. A film collector keen to find out what happened on the set of The Werewolf's Curse. More details of this story, well, this news story anyway, are available on the Big Finish news pages on the homepage of our site at bigfinish.com. Dark Shadows Haunting Memories is available to pre-order now and will be released in December 2016. Next up, The Avengers. With the release of July's sixth volume of The Avengers, The Lost Episodes approaching, a new trailer will be released. The Avengers The Lost Episodes are audio recreations of long-lost gems of cult television history. This sixth volume, starring Julian Wadham as John Steed and Anthony Howell as Dr. Keel, sees our heroes confront extortionists, spies, industrial espionage, espionage if I could say it, and even perhaps John Dorney. A new trailer will be available soon. Yes, that's a tease. It's worth noting that The Avengers, The Lost Episodes Volume 6, is out from Big Finish in July, with a general release beyond the Big Finish site in late August. As with all new Big Finish releases, a download is unlocked with each CD purchase, enabling instant listening enjoyment, even as the CDs are hurtling through the post. Perhaps an over-optimistic um, description of the British postal system, but there you go. Also, Big Finish's popular and critically acclaimed The Avengers, Steed and Peel, the comic strip adaptations starring Julian Wadham and Olivia Poulet are, of course, still available. Here's the trailer for those. The Avengers, the Mrs. Peel comic adaptations, volume one. Take a seat, Steed, why don't you? Why, thank you, Mrs. Peel. Oh, what's this? Tales of miserly megalomaniacs, dastardly dressmakers, vicious Vikings and pernicious pipers. Sounds promising. Vikings, you say? You serious about this? Yes, my husband. Ladies and gentlemen. This is the Pfizer the miser. Welcome to the Glendier. I'm Macintosh. Ah! Prince Abdul, I presume. I think you are very brave. I know. Ow! Yes, very brave and modest too, he tells me. My size may be small, but I have... Big plans. I get to live as I have always wanted to live, as a Viking. We've hit something of a snag. 
Madame Zingara hates snags. She becomes rather unhinged when the bird is even mentioned. <laughs> oh. Oh. I can see we're not going to be friends. Such a fascinating man. And drunk already. Chin-chin, I thought I'd never drink champagne again. I know. I could see the fear in your eyes. Nasty. Oh, Mrs. Peel, do you always see evil afoot in even the most innocent of... Ah, Mrs. Peel, we're needed. Big finish. We love stories. Doctor Who. A little snippet of Doctor Who news. As you've heard, I was recently in the studio directing Katie Manning and Tim Trelaw in a brand new third Doctor adventure. It was entitled The Transcendence of Ephros. It was by the rather wonderful Guy Adams. And in a couple of weeks, I'll be directing the next one, Hidden Realm by David Llewellyn. And that was the Big Finish News. Ben, time for a quick word with you. Didn't you want to be interviewed? Yes. Well, okay. What would you like me to interview you about? Um, what have you been doing today? Um, Brilliant. Um, oh, I, um, 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 playing computer games? A bit, yes, you have. Yes, that's true. Actually, a lot. Yeah, okay. Do you think you'll ever get round to listening to any big finish? When I'm about... That works very well on audio, yes. <laughs> Demonstrating about... how tall you're going to be. When I'm about... Um... About what? About one metre. About one metre. Aren't you a metre already? I don't... Oh. I think you might be a metre no, tall. No, the metre goes a tiny bit up. Does it? Yeah. So when... Nearly a metre. Oh, OK. But if I'm that... So when you're one metre tall, you'll start listening to Big Finish? Yeah. Which range do you think you'll start with? I'm a teenager. Okay. And which range do you think you'll start with? With Doctor Who or Torchwood or Blake Seven or Terror Hawks, which I forgot to mention earlier. Apologies, Terror Hawks. Oopsie. Which, what do you think you might like to listen to? Sherlock Holmes? Doctor, oh, wait, wait, wait. Where is it? It's my piece of paper. I would, uh, I would like to listen to Doctor Who, The Prisoner, Sherlock Holmes, Countermeasures. Do you know what Countermeasures is? Not really. <laughs> but it's written down on the piece of paper, so fair enough. OK, Ben, thanks for that fascinating and frank interview. I'm carrying on with the listeners' emails now. OK. And in a fiendish bit of cross-promotion with our free online and print magazine Vortex, containing all the latest behind-the-scenes exclusives and release schedules, these emails will feature in the next issue of Vortex out in July. Meanwhile, if you'd like to email in about absolutely anything to our podcast, you can reach us at podcast at bigfinish.com. So... This is from Eugen. I'm not sure if I've pronounced that correctly. It's Y-U-J-I-N. Apologies. Uh, I am a fan from South Korea who wants to buy the 10th Doctor Adventures audiobook. I have a question. If I buy this audiobook, can I have or download the script? Because English is not my mother tongue. I need the script to understand the audiobook fully. Y yes. 
These scripts are available as supplementary material when you access your downloads via the Big Finish site. So yes, you can read the script. Next up from Sandra... You'll be back in a minute. Thanks, Ben. Uh, from Sandra Smith. I am a new Big Finish fan. I just received my first story, the 10th Doctor Limited Edition, uh, number 1,240 of 5,000 of them. Yes, ooh, a, a box set. I'm in love with it. I didn't know what to expect when I ordered it, and I'm definitely impressed with it. Thank you, Big Finish. I look forward to more 10th Doctor and Donna adventures, as well as other stories when the budget allows. Keep up the good work. I hope the budget allows very soon, Sandra. Thank you, anyway. Have a good look around our site. There are loads of offers and even some special releases that are for free. Yeah, free. There's lots of first episodes you can... Yeah, I, I can't recommend it highly enough for obvious biased reasons. Dip in and see what you fancy. From Chris Metzger. Does Torchwood Outbreak, the full cast Torchwood adventure with Captain Jack and the gang, uh, does it require a listener to have listened to past Torchwood audios or is this a standalone? There'll be a full answer to this in Vortex, but for now, here's the trailer. I need to speak to Torchwood! Coming soon from Big Finish Productions. Stage one, your head's not your own. Stage one? Stage one of what? More reports trickling in. Same general pattern. People just stopping what they're doing and entering a fugue state. We're all in danger. Why? Don't you see? Sir, put down the knife. This is unbelievable. The traffic's gone mad and so have half the people. What the hell is going on? Between you and me, I think you're about to have a bit of a time of it. Convoy 4 to control, ETA to Cardiff, 20 minutes. They're building a cordon around the city. They can't do that. Convoys 1, 3 and 8 already in position. Roadblocks assemble. I've got to tear it out! Somebody get in here now! Big Finish. We love stories. For now, it's recommended that you follow the advice of the official police statement. Stay at home and stay safe. Thanks, Ben. Uh, from L. Michelle Poole. Thank you for attending Timegate 2016 in Atlanta. It was a pleasure meeting you, gentlemen. That was uh, Jason Hagenry and me. During the Q&A, a guest asked if you'd consider productions other than Doctor Who. Well, we make them all the time. I would like to suggest the Discworld series by Sir Terry Pratchett. I very much enjoy reading them and would be delighted to listen to them as a radio show. Thank you, Michelle. Well, it's a great idea. I think those works are already have their audio rights allocated uh, to different companies. There were some BBC radio adaptations. I remember sort of introducing them in the seventh dimension on BBC Radio 4 Extra. Another little job I have. I do tune into that at the week, week, weekends, six o'clock and midnight, the seventh dimension, a little bit of cross promotion there. Uh, they may have been commercially released, so it's probably worth doing an internet search for them. Oh, uh, and I did love it at Timegate 2016. It was a really lovely convention. Everyone was lovely to us. I'll use the word lovely a few more times if you like. From Ronald J. Moti, Moti, M-A-U-T-I. Sorry, sorry, Ronald. When you post the 2017 Christmas title and the last in the current run of Doctor Who Short Trips in the announcement, does this mean that Short Trips is ending with that title in December 2017? Because it reads that way. Ben is putting something on my head. What's that? That's oh, a wet wipe. That's disgusting. It's not a wet wipe. What is it? It's an antiseptic wipe. Oh, well, that's even worse. Thank you. <laughs> I'm not septic. I don't need to be antiseptic. Uh, well, actually, shh. 
Shh, we haven't announced it yet, but another year's worth of short trips has just been commissioned. Cue applause. That's it for listeners' emails in this podcast. And now, the Katie Manning interview. Let the mayhem commence. I love you, Nicholas. We're standing there. We're having quite a serious conversation, which is rare. Yes. And, and then suddenly I actually look at your face and I just dissolve into laughter. Are you, you saying I've got a funny face, Katie Manning? Well, no, no, no. I'm very short-sighted. So oh, must be... <laughs> You're saying I've got a blurred face. <laughs> a blurred face, but I read you. You make me laugh and you've made me laugh all day. Thank you so much. Well, thank you. I've laughed a lot. Um, <laughs> could you... And maybe explain what it, you know, just briefly what we have been doing all I have no day. idea. Oh. I was rather hoping that's why <laughs> well, you were goodbye. here. <laughs> that's how, how to kill an interview, isn't it? <laughs> you know, when you do those wonderful interviews and you would say, now perhaps you could tell us a bit about the play. Well, no, not really. No. <laughs> I don't feel like it. <laughs> any clues, any little, you can say anything you like. Can I really? Yeah, I can always cut it out. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> so there'll be just, hello and goodbye. Big pause in the middle. No, um, we have actually been working Tim Trelaw, who has embodied John Pertry to the point that really I do get little goosebumps. As I, yeah, I won't say yeah. what, but there's a couple of things. That, I mean, all the way through, he's he, in the first time he did it, and this time he's he's kind of even closer. He has. He's you done know, a bit more study, hasn't he? Oh, yes. and there was a couple of moments. You know, when my my I'm doing it now. My little toes were curling. Oh my God, and, they are. You know, I know. my toes. <laughs> but he was so terrific. Yeah. And and so strong. And the lovely thing is, uh, is the fact that he he's an actor. He doesn't impersonate. Um, he embodies that whole kind of thing. And and I can see all the warmth and the little twinkles in his eyes. And you know he's he's just lovely. And it's I think it's great to have someone who can do that. I don't think you can just take over and say, "Oh, get someone to play the break and get someone to play." You have to have that serendipitous moment when somebody is fooling around you suddenly go my god that sounds like John Pertwee mm-hmm. <laughs> I went into Liza Minnelli then <laughs> but you know what I mean it, yeah it, I do and it I mean was... it's interesting you mentioned about the Brigadier uh, uh, and the Master for example that uh, quite a few people have been saying to us why don't you get someone mm. to do that what do you think about that I can't think of who we'd get, and but you I know. think it's not just a question. I, I, you know, people have said it to me. Mm. You know, why don't we don't finish? know what to think? Really, but you can't just. It's not something that can happen that easily. I think with Tim, it was serendipitous. It was yes. because you know you hear. Um, I heard somebody doing uh, Pat Trout the other day, other than Fraser, obviously, but mm. you know, and it was it was it was kind of there. But you wonder, can you sustain it? Mm. Can you keep it going? Because. I think the danger here, when you get somebody in to play a very well-known person, mm. I mean, played Betty Davis and things, so I've kind of been down this road, is that they had something that was so peculiar that made them the stars that they were, mm. that you can get someone to do it, but do they have that little strange little kind of a thing that those people had, that or je ne sais an, Or quoi. enough of it to suggest them. And I was going to say, or enough that which, you know, they can then, yeah, absolutely bring into the... And fortunately, Tim, being such a wonderful actor, has all of those things going. Hmm. And the more he does it, 
the more extraordinary he's going to become to the point that we'll probably forget that it is John. We'll just get him the wig. Yeah, you know? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yes, and then I get wheeled in in my wheelchair and I go, oh, doctor. Um, but it's, it's, so I think it is very hard. And, you, yeah. you know, as I say, you can, but to sustain it and to actually get into the soul of that person is very, very hard. But, you know, you never know. There may be somebody out there who can do and will sound and become Nicholas Courtney. But until they appear, we have to go with what we've got. And sometimes memories are the way to go. Hmm. But this yeah. just has happened. And, yes, yes. you know, it's a lovely yeah, we did. We didn't plan it, you know. No. It came out, as you say, serendipity. And I think sometimes the best things happen that way. If you start to plan it, you start to want to find the outcome and you might get, you start looking. It doesn't always come to you. Yes. Hmm. Now, there are two main questions that I ask people in these podcasts. <laughs> Why? <laughs> I've never had that reaction, uh, even before I've asked the question. Um, I don't, and yeah, one you the make first, me laugh so badly. <laughs> just by being me. Just the thought of being You think on, I'm funny? Like a clown? <laughs> <laughs> I want to be on a stage with you to see whether I can actually get through. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I, I, yes, I wonder whether I would. <laughs> yes, I don't know. Um, one of them is to ask them what what's been tingling their molecules, your your molecules, or agitating them. I, I started off with agitating and have ended up with tingling. I like tingling. Yeah, thank you very much. <laughs> Tingle away. <laughs> um, I felt like I was in Carry On Screaming. Yes, then. I'm you. Yeah. I know, I was oh, trying to give it up. tingling, Doctor. <laughs> um, do, have you ever listened to any Big Finish stuff? Yes, you as long do as, to yes, them. mostly if I'm not in it. Oh, right, OK. No, 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 I'm a great supporter of, of things that I'm not involved in. Is there anything recently that you've listened to that has tingled your molecules? Yeah, that's tingled a my molecules. A big finish thing, yeah. Um, I did very much enjoy Dorian Gray. Oh, yes. I got a massive tingle out of that. Um and even a tangle, um, but I, <laughs> you I, were in it as yes, well, weren't you? But yeah. I listened to all the others. Yeah, um, I thought that was superb, and Alex Vlahos is, you know, terrific in it. And you know, once again, I get very excited about new young actors, um, yeah, yeah. new talent coming in, you know, and actresses um, coming into this business, and it, it's a joy to work with them you know so but that's the one that really has you know gripped me recently you, any particular episodes or no you know, i just, just thought the whole, thing, the whole thing, was, thing was yeah no i did listen i just skipped me <laughs> the twittering sparrows because i was actually gary russell said to me he said you know um use your own voice and i stood there and went um, I don't know what it is. Yeah, I really, I don't. Because even when I'm talking to you, I'm going to be changing accents and you yeah, know things yeah, like yeah. that. Um, and I said it was like a bit like working naked. You know, yeah. I suddenly felt terribly vulnerable. But it's then, interesting. That's a little bit like the thing they said to John Pertwee about playing the Doctor, wasn't it? Just be be yourself. Yes. And he and he said, "Well, I don't know who that is." That's right. I mean, if I knew who I was, would I act? It's something I always ah, say to myself. Yeah, you know, yeah. it's it's a thing of you've got all these people, even my children, I mean, they get so confused. Um, you know, <laughs> who's mummy going to be today? Um, 
But you've got all these characters in your head. And they, they sort of, you know, as, as, and my partner always says, it's so lovely when all the characters in your head are working because you are really nice underneath all that. <laughs> <laughs> but I think Big Finish, you know, produces everything they do is is everything I've heard, you know, and I listen to, you know, various doctors and, you know, I don't always hear whole things, but I listen because I want to know. And I think uh, Big Finish has been such an extraordinary thing in the Doctor Who world and kept it alive when it was no longer there and and what they've gone on. You've done some amazing things that are not just Doctor Who based. Mm, Um, And it's, it's, you know, the work ethic, the people, you know, everybody's great fun. It's it's a joy to work here. And, well, we, and do, we don't see much point in doing it if it's not fun. No. You know, I have done jobs in my time where there seems to be a desire to not make it fun. Like that somehow makes it more Oh, then that's real. Or, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's absolutely nonsense. It's like you say, oh, yes, we worked really hard back in, you know, in the studio in those days. But we had fun. And then you say, oh, yes, well, we were working so hard. We couldn't have any fun. That doesn't make it better. Yeah. And quite often, if actors are having fun, you're going to get so much more yeah, out yeah, of them. Definitely. And that's why, you know, everybody that I've ever been directed by here, you know, and, you know, with everybody that runs it, and you always, everybody's very approachable. And I mean, being very supportive. And you've been lovely to me because I know with fans, in their heads, they can hear Joe from what they can see on the CD, you know, what they can see with the DVDs and things like that. You know, and it's quite frightening in a, in a little way. You know, this is 50 years ago. And I'm, you know, coming back and I'm no longer just playing all the characters and sort of doing an approximation. I'm actually trying to get the feeling of Joe. you know, the, who Joe was, the joyous Joe. you know, that wonderful, you know, she was brave and she was a little bit clumsy and, you know, and they love the word ditzy with Joe. No, there was only a tiny little bit of ditzy because you don't go around doing the things that she did if you're that ditzy. And she was incredibly, divinely loyal, offering her life for the doctors. That's how passionate about the doctor she was. So, you know, I love the character and I want to be able to give the fans everything that they require. But they have, you know, so my heart is there. It just might be a little bit older, but my heart is in there. But every now and again, as John used to say to me, he said, uh-oh, when I'd go out of my Joe voice. And he'd say, lorry driver's back and you're very good at reminding me when the lorry driver's back you know because people forget that sometimes you're doing a voice yeah. when yeah. You're, you're playing a character but uh yes the, you know so this you know all my love all my passion and all my you know the feelings i remember being with joe i i do bring here i yeah. just hope they come across Uh-oh. You they know? absolutely do. That's the thing. I mean, it's absolutely her heart and her spirit I can hear. So it's it's, it's beautiful. Aww. It's really I've really enjoyed it. And it's um, I mean, I've always loved you know all of Doctor Who, and I'm a real fan. I I rewatch stuff all the time. And you know, b- uh, be- when we started doing these before, I started rewatching all those ones that you and John Pertu were in. And, you know, I fell in love with them all over again, mm. you know, because the, the beauty of being an older fan and you watch something from when you were much younger, you, 
it takes you back to yes. the joy you had then. It's not just like watching an old television no, no, program no, no, no. from another era and thinking, oh dear, that looks a bit old fashioned. You absolutely relive the excitement. And that's why I'm loving doing this. So I'm so glad you're doing it. And, and exactly, it's, it's a. It's a and Doctor Who is, is such an enchanting thing. And what's so exciting about it, too, you look at all the people that are now working in this business, you know, people here. I mean, people are meeting all the time that used to watch Doctor Who and it inspired them so much that they wanted to go and do something, yes. you know, within this business. Well, that's what's happened to me. You know. And, yeah. you know, and there are so many. I mean, but you can you can look all around Big Finish and there's all these different and And also, you know, you take all your Russell T. Davises and your Mark Gatisses and, and Steve Moffat, yeah. These people all suddenly thought, wow, you know, this opened up an incredible world. Well, Doctor Who is how we all learnt about stories. Yes. And stories are at the root of all art and entertainment. Yes. I, in fact the root of humanity because yes. we are the summation of our stories aren't we we, Absolutely. we tell stories about ourselves all the time well it's our dream time yeah. isn't it yes you know and we, we but just in real life we constantly create a narrative whether it's just the story of how we came into work today and what happened on the tube it's all narrative isn't it absolutely it's a lovely one because it's when you know don't spoil a good story with the truth oh, which yeah. is, <laughs> john taught me that one <laughs> yes well i've said that to many people when i've been telling an anecdote they say i was there and that didn't happen i said i don't care yes this is more entertaining than the truth <laughs> i actually finished a relationship on that really? I, I came in and um i said something i said well and i had this great story and it was true but i was going to tell it and i said you know and there was five thousand people on the bus and he said katie there can't be 5,000 people on the bus. <laughs> and I said, I said, well, two isn't funny and we're through. <laughs> I swear that is absolutely true. Wow, you see. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> on, on that basis, I shouldn't be talking to David Richardson because, of course, I was just getting to the climax of a story at lunchtime and he came in and tried to take you all away for photographs. I know. It's timing, darling. You see, I came in this it's morning. It's like he's trying to sabotage me. I know. <laughs> he's smirking in the control room I now. know. But he's... I told him, I thought he'd given up smirking <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yes yes he's vaping not smirking <laughs> but it's true you see when you've got the flow of your narrative going you don't want someone no, no, to, no, 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 to no. contradict it with reality yes <laughs> you know it's like those, those dreadful things when when people tell you long-winded stories with no punchline oh. I mean, that's, that's slappable offence, isn't oh, yeah. it? Yeah, but that's... Yes. Yeah, in my, in my book, that's a slappable offence. Yeah, I've, I've ended friendships over things like that. So, yeah. good between yeah. us, friendships yeah. and relations. You can't yeah. tell a good story. Don't come near us, because we're not going to hang well, around. But those people who tell bad stories that don't have endings, you find yourself trying to suggest endings. They say, oh, well, yeah. there was all the concrete there, you see. And then I said, oh, you accidentally stepped in it before it had dried. No, no, no it was no, fine. No. You think, well, why are you telling, telling me? me? <laughs> you know, if if you haven't got something funny to say with a punchline, don't say it. Don't just report reality. <laughs> it's like when people say to me things like, well, why why don't they do this in this play? Why, why does that happen? Because that's what this play is about. Yeah. Because it's not real. If you want reality, open the window, have a look out. Nothing's happening. No, you know, no. No, we're doing this special little moment that happens. But also, in I my think made up world. creative people... And I mean, there are a lot of creative people all around, but, you know, people are actually working in it. They actually are looking all the time for something, he overhearing, 
you know, what, what people are saying. And, you know, because I love listening to other people's conversations and you pick little bits out and you hear these and uh, overhearing lines, you know, one of my favourite, couple of old guys sitting down and I, I, I was at some theatre, Swindon or something, and these two old guys sitting down and you say, one of them said, oh, yes, it's, it's all lies, it's all lies. And the other one said, yes, there's a lot of truth in that. <laughs> and I just, you know, and you just think it's such a lovely life. Yeah, you can tell down. who I learned to do my voices from, <laughs> can't you? I wonder who was it. The other question I ask, and this relates to all this, again, about stories and stuff, more tingling and agitating of your molecules, just generally, outside of Big Finish, you know, anything you've seen on the television or on a movie or the theatre or read a book, something that particularly at the moment is, is tingling your molecules in an entertainment way so many things <laughs> really I mean you know because I, I I go to a lot of theater I go to the cinema I like I a lot I go latte um I go to the cinema what was that you said I don't know I went completely I needed to call an ambulance it might not be a bad idea actually she'll come no I mean we're at the end of the day um I it, it's not everybody's cup of tea, but that's the wonderful thing about the arts. Is, you know, is, you know, we should, it's like if you're a couple, if you agree on everything, one of you isn't necessary. So it's very nice to have. Oh, that's a really good. Yeah. Well, it's true. What, you're going to just, just sit down my, for 25 years saved, going, oh, yes, dear. Oh, I couldn't agree more, dear. Must, you may have just saved my marriage. <laughs> <laughs> you must have sympathy. You know, you've got to have that in friendships and relations. You must yes. have that ability to be able to go and see something and discuss it and even disagree because there's no facts involved here. Only opinion, you know, mm. and comment. Um, but facts are sacrosanct, and there aren't a lot of those, and they're constantly changing, it seems to me. Anyway, um, I, <laughs> I saw last year, and I saw it again this year, I went to see the stage version of um, Trainspotting. Oh. I nearly had an old person's moment. Then I was <laughs> there. I am. What's your favourite thing? I was about to tell you. I don't know. <laughs> and I couldn't. No, Train Spotting, which was you know a marvellous film. It was a terrific book, but it is one of the most harrowingly powerful pieces of theatre. And I do like a lot of edginess in my theatre. You know, I like light comedies. I love beautifully done pieces. I love great writers. That's, but when you're seeing something new and something different, and what was wonderful about this for me is that you got in the stage version the incredible modern poetry of the language and you felt so involved in it that you were actually feeling like you were one of the characters. Now, I felt that a little bit in the film because it was so good, but having it in a small theatre where you're surrounded by it, it's a very, very powerful piece. It's like there is it on, still on? No, it's, I, well, it's up at the Edinburgh Festival this year. Right. And this is a young people doing this, and it's a young producer. Um, this is England was a piece of television which I thought was remarkable. Um, 
There's been a lot of good television recently, actually. Well, there was a film, wasn't there? Then they made a, a That's series correct. of it. That's correct, yes. Yeah. And I thought both the film and the series... I've not seen the series, actually, but so the film good. I thought was amazing. So good. I like modern, edgy stuff. I mm. mean, all the other stuff, of course, I'm absolutely passionate about it. But it's... I like new things. I like new edgy things. I mean, there's a lot of people who went to see Dr. Faustus and didn't enjoy it. I loved the fact that it was edgy. It was weird. It was wrong on so many levels that it was, for me, right. And it made me sit bolt upright and not take my eyes off it. And, you know, it, once again, not everybody's cup of tea. But it's lovely to have new experimental things coming into your, into your life. And I, I find the same with music. You know, when people say, they all think that I'm going to say, oh, you, when I do, I've just done an interview where they, they say, bring some, you know, what music do you like? And everybody always thinks you're going to come in, oh, oh poor old bat, she's going to come in with all the ones she used to sort of go out with, like, it's going to be the Stones, the Beatles, you know, and I come in and, I, and it's not. It's a lot of very, very now music, which always sort of surprises people. But I don't think you can live your life in the past. You can enjoy what you've had fully. That will always be with you. But, you know, I think it's really important to be in the moment, to be open, to take on new things, to not always expect everything to be the way it was. Although working with you will always be the way it was and is. You are such a lovely man to work with. You really oh, thank are. Thank you. Thank and, you. And having David Richardson in there in the court, it's a bit like having Barry Letts and Terence Dix out there. <laughs> <laughs> well, yes, yeah, so obviously I've grown a beard in uh, Barry's honour. <laughs> it's the hot thing, a beard. Everybody's got a beard now. You're nobody. If you have, I'm, in fact, I'm working on it. Yeah, I'm a very <laughs> happening person. Katie, this has been a pleasure. Oh, I know. Pleasure's been mine and I, I really think think this was a joy today and I hope we do do more and we I'll, are going to do more You've I will certainly no try and keep little Miss Joe lurking inside me thank you huge thanks to Katie who is officially rather lovely and such fun to work with time now for a randomly selected release from the big finish archive And this time, there's some special music from Ben. Thank you, who's still throwing antiseptic wipes at me. It's only one. Is it? <laughs> well, thank goodness. Uh, this time, the release is The Juggernauts. In a small mining colony on the dark and distant planet of Leith, events are occurring, the results of which could dramatically affect things on a universal scale for within the dingy corridors of the artificial biosphere the lone survivor of a devastating crash has expertly wormed his way into the lives of the colony's personnel a scientist known as davros yes ben's going mad in the background apologies um now this was a sixth doctor and mel story of course i was in it because i was playing the daleks and uh i did the mechanoids as well and the way we eventually did them is that I just spoke very slowly and clearly. And then that recording was provided to, I think it was Steve Foxen who did the uh, sound design and music on it. And then he fiddled around with it and you ended up with a, a, a mechanoid noise, you know, that, that what mechanoid voice, you know, enter, enter, zero, stop. We all remember that from the chase, surely. Um, 
and is written by Scott Allen Woodard and directed by Gary Russell. We had lots of fun in the studio. Uh, I've had a look on the site now and there are typos in the data I'm <laughs> referring to. Peter Forbes is typed up as Peter Forb. Anything else that's wrong? Mechanoids is spelt incorrectly as well. Good Lord. Uh, as my dear old friend Paul Sprack would have said. Uh, I'll go in and correct those. Uh, now, um, yes, so I've told you about the Mechanoids voices. I've also noticed that when I typed Mechanoid, it auto-corrects to Mechanic. <laughs> uh, Bonnie Langford was absolutely lovely to work with. Um, I'm so glad she's a regular part of our team and it was brilliant working with her back then. I also played another small part in this in which I blatantly did an impersonation of our sound engineer and close friend of mine, Toby Robinson. He didn't notice until I told him, of course. Couldn't resist. <laughs> anyway, here is the trailer for the juggernauts the fire grows within camera 17 18 19 20 see anything nothing so far looks pretty normal wait i think i see it too there's a shadow camera 19 right there tough to make out maintenance bailey perhaps you know sonali i hate to say this only because it sounds completely mad. But whatever we're looking at, it doesn't look human to me. The time has come for honesty. There's a first time for everything, isn't there? Beyond these doors lie the fruits of our labours here on Leafy. You may be a bit surprised by what you are about to see. One. stands in the way of the juggernauts. You killed them all! No, Mr. Price. It was an accident. Remember? <laughs> I gather you are here to rescue your companion, the delightful Miss Bush. I have grown quite fond of her over the past few months, and I think you will find that she will say the same thing of me. You're actually working for the Daleks. I'm afraid so, Mel. Report of Dalek weapon discharge within the colony. Continue to monitor the Doctor's progress. The Dalek Supreme wishes that nothing impedes the mission. I obey. Part or you will be exterminated. Yes, you fools, protect me. Right, just before I tell you what's in next week's podcast, and I do know for a change, here are the latest releases. Out now, Torchwood Ghost Mission, starring Tom Price. Also from the Doctor Who main range, Vampire of the Mind, starring Colin Baker, Alex McQueen, and some other people. Part one is currently available for free. Go and download it now, if you haven't already got it. Uh, Doctor Who The Fourth Doctor Adventures Gallery of Ghouls starring Tom Baker and Lala Ward that's out also Cyberman the complete series 1 and 2 starring Mark McDonnell Hannah Smith and Barnaby Edwards and, and me 
probably. That's out in a beautiful new box set, both series of Cyberman. The Tenth Doctor Adventures. Doctor Who, the collected Tenth Doctor. Yeah, well, there, there's a box set out. Uh, starring David Tennant, funnily enough, Catherine Tate and loads of other good people too. David Tennant was particularly impressed by the supporting casts and the lunch, obviously. Gallifrey Enemy Lines is out, starring Lala Ward, Louise Jameson, Sophie Aldred and people are loving it. Pathfinder Legends Mummy's Mask Pyramid of the Sky Pharaoh. Not often you say that. Starring Trevor Littledale, Ian Brooker, Stuart Alexander and Kerry Skinner. It's a great series. Give it a go. It's superb stuff. Also uh, from the Big Finish Classics range, Dracula. Starring Mark Gatiss, who I spent a good while catching up with at the Doctor Who magazine issue 500 after party last night. Not featuring One Direction. And part one is currently free to download. Go on. Take a bite. Ah, 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 ah. And finally, and rather beautifully, this sporting life from Doctor Who short trips. I wonder whether people get the little reference in that. I'll leave that hanging in the air. It's uh, read by Peter Purvis. And here's a snippet. The policeman gave the doctor an odd look. Where have you been the past few days? The doctor chuckled. Uh, here and there. Almost, you might see. Everywhere. <laughs> Well, you can hop it right back there. Go on, shoo, or else I'll start to think you're behind this old blooming business. What business? Stephen started to say, but Dodo tugged his arm and shushed him. Slowly, the trio moved away from the TARDIS and along the street. I think I know, Dodo said. She pointed across the green towards a newspaper stand, closed and unmanned, its usual inhabitant no doubt also having been sent packing by the police. But there was a headline pasted on the side. Trophy still missing. Reward now offered. Ah, said the doctor, I see now. He glanced back at the TARDIS, which seemed almost to be enjoying this rare moment of inconspicuousness. March 1966. Hmm. So there you have it, all the latest releases. In the next podcast, I'll be talking to Davros himself, Terry Malloy. There, exciting or what? Hey, <laughs> I'm just recovering from the fact that I know what's in the next podcast. And before this podcast shuffles off its mortal coil, here comes part 10 of our nine-part serialization of The Hound of the Baskervilles. Can you do a hound noise, Ben? Not a, a, okay. <sighs> you try and get kids to join in. Never mind. Uh, part 10 of 9? What? And you never know, there might even be a part 11. Have a listen and find out. But for now, it's a big goodbye from me. And I wonder, can Ben muster the energy to say goodbye? Sherlock Holmes has sent Watson to represent him in the case of the murder of Charles Baskerville. A spectral hound is said to have killed him, and threats have been made upon his heir, Henry Baskerville. 
Suspects abound as Holmes finally reveals his presence on the Grimpen Mire, and he and Watson hear the Hound. The cry had been loud on account of its vehemence, but it had peeled out from somewhere far off on the shadowy plain. The Hound! Come, Watson, come! Great heavens, if we are too late! From somewhere among the broken ground immediately in front of us, there came one last despairing yell, and then a dull, heavy thud. We halted and listened. Not another sound broke the heavy silence of the windless night. I saw Holmes put his hand to his forehead like a man distracted. He stamped his feet upon the ground. He has beaten us, Watson. We are too late. No, no, surely not. Blindly we ran through the gloom, blundering against boulders, forcing our way through gorse bushes, panting up hills and rushing down slopes, heading always in the direction whence those dreadful sounds had come. A low moan fell upon our ears. There it was again upon our left. On that side, a ridge of rocks ended in a sheer cliff which overlooked a stone-strewn slope. On its jagged face was spread-eagled some dark, irregular object. It was a prostrate man, face downward upon the ground. The head doubled under him at a horrible angle. So grotesque was the attitude that I could not for the instant realize that that moan had been the passing of his soul. Have you a like Watson? The gleam of the match shone upon his clotted fingers and upon the ghastly pool which widened slowly from the crushed skull of the victim. And it shone upon something else which turned our hearts sick and faint within us. This was surely the body of Sir Henry Baskerville. There was no chance of either of us forgetting that peculiar ruddy tweed suit, the very one which he had worn on the first morning that we had seen him in Baker Street. Uncle and nephew have been murdered. The one frightened to death by the very sight of a beast which he thought to be supernatural. The other driven to his end in his wild flight to escape from it. What can we do? We can only perform the last offices to our poor friend. Together we made our way down the precipitous slope and approached the body. Black and clear against the silvered stones. The agony of those contorted limbs struck me with a spasm of pain, blurred my eyes with tears. But not Holmes. <laughs> a beard! Watson, a beard! The man has a beard! A beard? It is not the baronet. It is... Why? It is my neighbour, the convict, Selden. I remembered how the baronet had handed his old wardrobe to Barrymore. Barrymore had passed it on in order to help Selden in his escape. Boots, shirt, cap, it was all Sir Henry's. The clothes have been the poor devil's death. It is clear enough that the hound had been given a scent from some article of Sir Henry's. The boot which was taken in the hotel in all probability, 
and so ran this man down. There is one very singular thing, however. How came Selden, in the darkness, to know that the hound was on his trail? He must have heard the creature, Holmes. To hear a hound upon the moor would not work a hard man like this convict into such a paroxysm of terror that he would risk recapture by screaming wildly for help. By his cries, he must have run a long way after he knew the animal was on his track. How did he know? Watson, look there! Approaching even now across the moor. It is the man himself, Stapleton. Not a word to show your suspicions. Not a word or my plans crumble to the ground. Hello? Who's there? Why? Dr. Watson. That's not you, is it? You are the last man that I should have expected to see out on the moor at this time of night. But, dear me, what's this? Somebody hurt? No, not... Don't tell me that it is our friend Sir Henry. No. H who then? It is Seldom, the man who escaped from Princetown. Dear me, what a very shocking affair. How did he die? He appears to have broken his neck by falling over these rocks. We heard his cry. I heard the cry also. That was what brought me out. I was uneasy about Sir Henry. I had suggested that he should come over. I naturally became alarmed for his safety when I heard cries upon the moor. You... you did not hear anything else besides a cry. Did you? No. What do you mean, then? Oh, you know. The peasants' stories. Uh, a phantom hound and so on. It is said to be heard at night upon the moor. I was wondering if there were any evidence of such a sound tonight. We heard nothing of the kind. And what is your theory of this poor fellow's death? I have no doubt that anxiety and exposure have driven him off his head. He has rushed about the moor in a crazy state, and eventually fallen over here and broken his neck. That seems the most reasonable theory. And what do you think about it, Mr. Sherlock Holmes? You are quick at identification. We have been expecting you in these parts since Dr. Watson came down. You are in time to see a tragedy. Yes, indeed. I will take an unpleasant remembrance back to London with me tomorrow. Oh, you'll return tomorrow? I hope, then, that your brief visit has cast some light upon those occurrences which have puzzled us. One cannot always have the success for which one hopes. An investigator needs facts and not legends or rumours. It has not been a satisfactory case. Indeed. Indeed. Well, I would suggest carrying this poor fellow to my house, but it would give my sister such a fright. I think that if we put something over his face, he will be safe until morning. And so it was arranged. Resisting Stapleton's offer of hospitality, Holmes and I set off to Baskerville Hall, leaving the naturalist to return alone, having reminded me that Sir Henry and I were to dine with him and his sister the following evening. When we were safely out of earshot, Holmes spoke again. We're at close grips at last. What a nerve the fellow has. How he pulled himself together in the face of what must have been a paralyzing shock when he found that the wrong man had fallen victim to his plot. I told you in London, Watson, and I tell you again now that we have never had a foe more worthy of our steel. Should we not have him arrested at once? Surely we have a case. Not a shadow of one, only surmise and conjecture. Then how do you propose? I have great hopes of what Mrs. Laura Lyons may do for us when the position of affairs is made clear to her. 
Upon our return to Baskerville Hall, Holmes went to dress for dinner, and I had the unpleasant duty of breaking the news of Selden's demise to Barrymore and his wife. To him, it may have been an unmitigated relief, but she wept bitterly in her apron. <laughs> Afterwards, over a belated supper, Holmes explained to the baronet as much of our experience as it seemed desirable that he should know. Sir Henry confessed to have been moping about his home, and Holmes told him that we had at first thought the body of the stricken convict to be his own, due to the clothing in which he found himself attired, thanks to Sir Henry's own generosity and Barrymore's illicit provision of sustenance to the criminal. But how about the case? Have you made anything out of the tangle? I think that I shall be in a position to make the situation rather more clear to you before long. We've had one experience, as Watson has no doubt told you. We... Heard the hound on the moor, so I can swear that it is not all empty superstition. If you can muzzle that one and put him on a chain, I'll be ready to swear you are the greatest detective of all time. I think I will muzzle him and chain him all right if... He stopped suddenly and stared fixedly up over my head into the air. What is it? Excuse me, on your wall there, that is really a very fine series of portraits. Well, I'm glad to hear you say. I know what is good when I see it, and I see it now. That's Anella, I'll swear. That lady in the blue silk over yonder. And the stout gentleman with the wig ought to be a Reynolds. They're all family portraits, I presume. Barrymore has been coaching me in their names. I think I can say my lessons fairly well. Now, who is the gentleman with the telescope? That is Rear Admiral Baskerville. Yes. He served under Rodney in the West Indies. The man with the blue coat and the roll of paper is Sir William Baskerville, who was chairman of the committees of the House of Commons under Pitt. And this cavalier opposite to me, the one who first took my attention, with the black velvet and the lace. Aha. That is the cause of all the mischief, the wicked Hugo, who started the Hound of the Baskervilles. Holmes said little more, but the picture seemed to have a fascination for him, and his eyes were continually fixed upon it during supper. It was not until later, when Sir Henry had gone to his room, that Holmes led me back into the banqueting hall, his bedroom candle in his hand, and held it up against the time-stained portrait on the wall. Well, is it like anyone you know? There is something of Sir Henry about the jaw. <clears throat> Just a suggestion, perhaps. But wait an instant. <laughs> he stood upon a chair, and, holding up the light in his left hand, he curved his right arm over the broad hat, and round the long ringlets. And now? Good heavens! Ah, you see it now. My eyes have been trained to examine faces and not their trimmings. But this is marvellous! It might be a portrait of Stapleton himself! Yes, it is an interesting instance of a throwback. The fellow is a Baskerville, that is evident. With designs upon the succession? Exactly! The chance of this picture has supplied us with one of our most obvious missing links. We have him, Watson. We have him! Mm -hmm.